Hello there, Tom here. Welcome to the newest edition of What The Fart. Just a quick word to check out our Twitter at WTFUT Podcast and to check out the Twitter of our special guest, Steve Stokes, or many of you may know him as Fook Tactician. You can find him on Twitter at Fook Tactician. And if you search Steve Stokes into Google or YouTube, um, I'm sure it'll bring him up. Today, we're going to be talking about FIFA 19 and why the market may not be anymore why they may abolish it, in fact. We're also going to be having another edition of Adam's technical segment, and we're going to put some questions to Foot Tactician. But first, here's our great friend, Infrared Flare. Hello there. Welcome to the newest edition of What The Fuck. Today, I'm here with our special guest, Steve Stokes. Hi. And I'm also here with Steve. Hi. And I'm here with Adam. Hello. And for these purposes of today, I think we'll be calling our regular Steve uh, Valance. And we'll be calling Steve Stokes, Stokesy. So just so we know who everyone is, don't get too confused. And why we're on Stokesy, Stokesy, you've got a conspiracy theory, um, which ah. we thought we'd start with. So FIFA 19's coming out, obviously. They've just released the teaser trailer, and you've got a conspiracy theory about the transfer market. Yeah, um, not sure if it's 100% a conspiracy theory, but I just I floated something out on Twitter earlier in the week. Um, just basically looking at, at whether or not it's a possibility that World Cup mode with the removal of the transfer market is perhaps um, perhaps EA looking into the possibilities of implementing that in, in, in actual ultimate team next year. Um, the idea that perhaps they could remove the transfer market and in turn basically force people to open more packs to get players um, and also wipe out coin sellers, which is a big issue that EA have been trying to tackle for a long time. Um, so yeah, it's, it's the idea that basically um, we might not see a transfer market next year and it might be replaced by um, things like guaranteed SBCs, you know, guaranteed Team of the Week SBCs or upgrade packs, pretty much pretty much what they've done in World Cup mode, but uh, implementing that in foot. I have two straight arguments for you that I would like to rebut your theory with. Let's go. Right, the first one is... Look at the cock-up that they've done with World Cup. Like, they've already ruined the market. Do you think that they're going to risk doing that again? Because once you've done it, you can't go back. Like, World Cup mode is okay because it's only four weeks and people probably go back to normal foot. But if they do it, like, say they do it in, like, January, then that's the game ruined for everyone. So by cock-up, yeah. do you mean the Icon SBC? By, like, giving it... But yeah, the repeatable the SBC. And give them given everyone like they've they've because because they've overcompensated for the fact that you can't um <clears throat> that you can't buy like that you can't buy players on the market with coins and that's why they've done the icon I mean I think I think they we're we're assuming slightly that it is a cock up. I mean there may be a, a million different reasons as to why they've actually done it. Um 
but I don't think that the fact that they've done it a certain way in World Cup mode is really an argument against them doing it in Ultimate Team, if you see what I mean. Yeah, and the other thing is, is it it may kill some of the coin sellers, but it may also kill some of their community. Again, ha- yeah, sorry, go ahead. There are a lot of trading accounts, like, like the most famous one being for economists, for instance, right? <clears throat> if there's no economy, like, what has he got to? He's not gonna. I mean, he's not gonna play the game anymore, is he? I mean, he's, he or well, he might, but he's not gonna be able to do anything on for economy because there won't be one. Um, with all the respect in the world to Jamie, I know him. Um, good guy. Um, but I don't think that FIFA's. I mean, we're we're all quite active on Twitter, aren't we? So we tend to see a sort of a view of the game. I think we can maybe um, overestimate how important the, the Twitter community is. It's just a it's a tiny fraction of the of the actual player base. Um, so yeah, probably probably there will there'll be a bit of attrition with a few users, but I don't think it'll affect it'll affect the player base too much. Um, I think you shouldn't really underestimate the power of addiction. I think a lot of people are fundamentally addicted to playing the game. And I think that what you'd probably have at worst is people, you know, two or three years down the line, just just kind of fondly reminiscing about the days when there was a transfer market as opposed to the SBCs. Um, one of the other arguments I've heard against it, actually, is that um, in the 14 mode, um, when we had the World Cup, uh, the transfer market came around in, in FIFA 15, um, which, again, fine, you know, it's a decent point, but... In 15, we didn't have SBCs, so there was really no other way of getting players into your club. And, uh, you know, again, this is something that I've said on Twitter. I don't want people to misunderstand and think that I'm advocating that we should get rid of the transfer market. Personally, I quite like it the way it is, and I'd probably prefer that it stayed. Um, but I do think that it's it's probably a bit naive to, to dismiss the possibility that that might happen. I think it's something that maybe we should, at the back of our minds, just, just kind of be prepared for. Okay, so yeah. I am advocating getting rid of the transfer market. <laughs> No, in all, in all seriousness, you'll laugh, but who at the beginning of FIFA was really bored of facing the following team? Gabriel Jesus up front, Boateng yeah. and Bailey at the back with Alaba and Valencia, um, usually Martial in there somewhere, usually Bakayoko. Yep, and now all the icons. Now all the icons. So I think I love the idea that they force sort of creativity and through the SPCs we've seen like the foot birthday SPCs and the other SPCs where you got the Sanchez and the uh, Modric and so on I can't remember what they were called but if they can sort of incentivize playing the game to get hold of like more types of players more types of SPCs then it sort of makes up for the fact that you can't directly choose players by buying them yeah the additional thing is, as well, on the World Cup market, it's a lot easier to do, like, to have a closed market like that, because it's a lot easier to create a team um, with the 100 chemistry needed in World Cup, because you've got confederations rather than league and country, whereas if there's a closed market on FIFA 19, they're going to have to give you a lot of cards to start, or give you, like, let you pick your league to start with, or something like that. Because think, it's going to be a hard start. I think, Steve, there's a danger um, uh, that we're really going to end up not even comparing an apple to an orange, but it's just like comparing an apple to an orange that hasn't oh, yeah, even yeah. been invented yet. We don't know exactly what they do, the way they do. in, in older yeah. team to, but, to this. I mean, but, one but of, another I'm, argument, maybe, um, maybe Adam can jump in on this, actually. 
Um, one of the arguments that's been put against me on Twitter is that uh, it's all good and well saying we can do this in World Cup mode because there's a smaller player database, but it might be a lot more difficult to port that over to Ultimate Team where there's a lot more players. I wondered if Adam might have any view on that. Um, so, yeah, the from my point of view, I don't think it'd be particularly hard for them to like change over where they are now. Um, FIFA, the World Cup mode, is... They've just added. They've just they've created some players for this, but they've already got a database that they can work from anyway, and just switch it. It'd just be like switching off the market essentially. That's all they really have to do. It's only, at least from what I can tell, it wouldn't be too difficult. Could happen. Then. Could happen. I I I really like the idea of encouraging more creativity, and making people have to use different squads to what they usually use. I really like the idea, I must say. And I also like the idea of um, destroying a lot of the people who get away with buying coins because the way they ban people for buying coins seems to be quite random. But I've seen people buy hundreds of thousands of coins and not even get a warning. Then I've seen people buy 50,000 coins and get banned. So the idea that no one can buy coins, so it's a level playing field, I think in general I'd really like the idea. Yeah, I just I just hope that if they do do it, that it is well thought through. And that they don't like, you know, like stuff it up, right? I think we're going, into the, we're going into the realms of fantasy now. No, but like <laughs> things like marking yeah. like things like marking matchups and stuff. Like, would they keep that? Would they get rid of it and stuff like this? Like, how would? I mean, I know it's in fantasy. Obviously, it's fantasy. But like, I would hope that like when you are like that when they do it, they don't just either overflood the market with giving too many sort of easy packs so that everyone gets too good of a team straight away but then they also don't take away stuff like marquee matchups I enjoy marquee matchups and I think people do enjoy marquee matchups and doing those sort of things it'd be interesting if you had to work it out on your own with your own cards I think that's a fun thing like, that makes that more fun rather than just looking up a solution on like flipping or something there's, there's so much they could do there's so much potential I mean another thing that people have flown the flag for is saying get rid of chemistry um, it may also give them the opportunity to do that. I mean, who knows? It's It'd be Pandora's box in a lot of ways, wouldn't it? I'd enjoy it if they got rid of chemistry styles, which is a long argument for another day, but I've always argued that chemistry styles um, somewhat... Like, they change the way the game's played and ruin certain ways of playing the game. If you play they, seasons, they... it feels like a completely different game. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Like a lot of people want them to get rid of just Hunter and Shadow, don't you? I don't, yeah, Hunter and Shadow. I love Hunter. They're like the two main <laughs> ones. Yeah, but like they're they're the ones because they're the ones that do your shot and do like you know. And they so are they're... kind of pointless, really, I guess. Because what I mean, you're assuming that people go to a fair amount of trouble to get the stats fairly accurate on a card before it's released, and it's basically just saying, right, here's a great representation of Alexis Sanchez. Now go and distort him, isn't it? Yeah. This is my argument that it takes out sort of the realism and it takes out the individuality in the kind of players. I know that Steve quite often talks about, well, if you look at my squad, everyone's 99 pace, 99 shooting. Well, what's the point in having different players other than they look different at that point? Yeah, because what I was going to actually say is that, (laughs) I mean, my experience with um, Cavani this year, I had him with 99 pace, 99 shot, the um, team of the season. And I've, I've seen... I've seen trucks like move 
like turn quicker. It, it it was awful. Like there are players with like sixty five pace that move faster. Like their actual and his agility's high as well. I mean, as you said, we'll go into the body types later. But on on this point, my worry is that EA know what they have here because every year they get a set amount of players play it. They get a lot of money in. I would they would they necessarily definitely change so much in one year with the fear being that what if it all goes wrong yeah I think I think that's a fair point I think it would be more of a gradual change than just uh, throwing the baby out with the bathwater yeah. so to speak yeah but could the that's World fair. Cup might be the gradual change yeah because that's, I think... that could be the preparation sorry. and um, no one saw the uh, what do you call it like the max buy it nows for players when they bought that in <laughs> That came they did that nowhere. for a very good reason, though. At the time, I was furious because they yeah. ruined the market. <laughs> it absolutely destroyed. Adam, Adam was literally looking at coin buying sites. <laughs> right, th- d- d- right. Honesty time. I, I had, I had a Diego. We might have to delete this bit. <laughs> I had a Diego Costa in my team. And it was there for a month because of the bloody max. But I put it down to the lowest it could possibly be sold for. And it still wouldn't sell for a month. So I was like, sod it. I will pay someone to buy it off me for the lowest price. That's how bad that got at the beginning. But I've got to say, it's been fantastic since. Apart from when they mess it up by like, um, you know, like not updating it on certain consoles and stuff. Otherwise, it's been fantastic because without that, you would just have people just putting bronze players up for a million and hoping that someone accidentally clicks. Because how many yeah. times have we seen it this year where we put up bronze players and they've gone for 10k by mistake? Yeah. It's happened loads no, to I, me. I've, I've seen, I've, you, I'm sure it happened to you once, Tom, someone bought one of your gold players for 10k. And you're like, yes, yeah, amazing. Uh, I sold a silver player for 10k once and that was about it. And that was right. Stokesy. Yep. Out of interest, how many people do you reckon buy coins? Oof, no idea. Tough question. Is I, I not that many? I wouldn't have thought. I think it no. Enough. I think the penalties they hand out and how sort of public they are in handing out penalties is and the price but, ranges. It it's very difficult to buy coins now and make it worthwhile. I think the other issue with coin buying as well, and I can't really speak about this with any authority, you'd need for economist or somebody or wise. Um, I think, doesn't it also have the effect of inflating the prices on the market? Because you have coins flooding the market that wouldn't ordinarily yeah. be there, you know, that yeah, would just yeah, be sitting dormant might... in people's accounts or what have you, so it pushes the prices up, there's more buying power. Yeah, so people Ab- absolutely. The it's a lot. The mining is a lot worse on PC. I mean, like a lot, lot worse. Yeah. And I think me and Adam have talked quite a bit about coin mining, and we could probably do a whole podcast yeah. on yeah, it at a different I time. Think I remember um, winning a Div 1 because of coin mining, because I won about four games because they'd score an own goal and then quit. Right. So, shall we move on to the rest of FIFA 19? Yeah. The, the trailer's out there. There's the uh, Champions League licensing. Do we think that's something they're going to implement into foot? I, f- I honestly think that they sort of already have given away the ghost on that one because. If you um, go to pre-order the Ultimate Edition, it says something about a foot, uh, choose a foot card Champions League special or something. Um, yeah. It's a Champions League card between 81 and 82 yeah. rated. 
think it is. Something like that. So that suggests that there's going to be specific squads composed of Champions Leagues, doesn't it? Where you're going to have a requirement where you're going to require 11 Champions League cards, I guess. Or certainly a certain number of them, I suppose. A minimum of three or something, should we say? Yeah. Yeah. They might be a type of card in themselves, a bit like Team of the Week or One to Watch. That would be good. I would like them to do something like, you know, like a foot champ. Like, I like what they've done. They've finally, it's taken them 36 odd weeks or however long it has been. And they've finally done foot champs with a requirement. Like, I like that they put requirements. So if they do that with the Champions League cards, I think that would be good. Like, oh, you have to, it's a Champions League week. You have to use Champions League players in daily knockout. I would, I'd love that. I think that'd be quality. That's fair. But, um, while we're on that subject, I was going to bring it up later, but while we're on it, what do we think of the foot champs requirements of the same nation? I, do we like them using foot champs requirements more? I, I don't think it's a good idea in terms of the player base. I think it must be a bit annoying if you've spent all this time grinding all year to get a, a great squad and then all of a sudden you can't use it. Personally, um, I made a fortune from buying a Brazilian team ages ago, team of the season players, and made about 400k just from uh, selling them. So, so I'm good with it. But <laughs> in terms of people who've got like the god squads and then can't use them, I can imagine it's frustrating as hell. Yeah, I agree because I'm one of them. Uh, I don't know though. I'm, I like because I, I bought. I think I got a pretty, pretty good squad, and I'm like, I I think it's just a bit of fun. Like, it, it's a it's a good change. Like. You know, you're not going to have the same is... team every because at the moment you basically got like the variations on the theme. Whereas now there'll be some variation. Like I've seen a few England squads, have been Spanish squads. Like people are being a bit different, a bit creative. I think that's good. Hmm. I I just worry. Oh, I'm frustrated because you work the whole of foot, and you know you invest in. You do trading and you sell players at a certain time, whatever. And I've got this like amazing Serie A squad that's full of team of the seasons icons. I'm so happy with it, and now I can't use it for two weeks. Is it only and two it's weeks? Really frustrating. Is it longer than that? Well, it might be longer than that, but at the moment they've uh, they've only announced two weeks right. worth, haven't they? Because there's obvious. Sorry, I was just going to say there's obviously a. Is it a coincidence that it's just tying in with the World Cup? Is it possible that it's going to run for the full four weeks of the World Cup? <laughs> Because there are certain I- certain ideas, I-, I like it to a certain degree that they're encouraging creativity, and certainly I think they're more likely to do it in like non-qualifying months. So when in FIFA 19, when there's months where there's like regional qualifying, then they're a lot less likely to do it. I think, but I can I I sort of like the idea of them using like silver cards and. Well, I wouldn't mind. Do you, do you remember? So before they had. Uh... The daily knockout and foot champs. They used to have tournaments, didn't they? Where there would be requirements for players. Yeah. So it'd be like yeah. St. Paddy's Day tournament and stuff like that. And I think that they did. They were underpaid, weren't they? they were I, I can imagine. I think that's what the Champions League format is going to look a lot like. That that's how I see it. Really similar to the old, the old Paddy's Day tournaments or what have you. Um, but probably in a similar format to the World Cup where you can advance through the group stages and the knockouts and what have you. That would be nice. I would like I would like a yeah. different mode. Just like you know, something to keep it a bit more fresh. Like you don't have to use all your old Merc powered players. You can just have a like chill out. It would be it would be nice to have like uh, you know, bring everybody back down to a level every now and then where 
it's a bit more of a level playing field just for like yeah where you've got to actually rely on your on your ability rather than your exactly cards. yeah yeah I think that that is the thing is it ties in well with if you get rid of the market as well like if you get rid of the market it ties in ability because you have to somewhat like it does even it up a bit because you have to do the best with what you've got yeah like sure. a bit more yeah bring it on yeah absolutely um has any has anyone seen the gameplay video that's been released? The quite comical did, did, leaks did game. Anyone else think that it looked a bit more like Pro Evo, or was that just me? I thought the goalkeepers looked atrocious. I thought the if you... I thought the gameplay looked a bit more like slower and more Pro Evo esque. But maybe I could. I, I think that foot tactician Mister Stokesy would be the expert on this because he's like King Anis. King analysis, man. To be honest with you, I didn't really see... I saw a brief clip of it, um, which again I tweeted out. Um, the thing that stood out to me, um, minor detail really, but the movement of the ball seemed a lot more realistic. It seemed a lot more true, the bounces. Um, in terms of the actual mechanics, I couldn't... It was a bad clip that I had. I couldn't really see that much. Um, and I think it's also important to remember that what we're seeing here now is probably going to bear very little reflection to the game. That I mean, that's, I'm assuming, is going to come from the demo mode that will be released. And then there'll be changes from the demo mode to the release day version. And then from the release day version, they'll probably bring out a patch in a couple of weeks, which will uh, which will change everything. So, well, it's, it's, obviously, an inter- it's obviously an interesting indicator. Um, I wouldn't tend to put too much store by by how close to the actual game that we're going to play that is. There is something from the demo that I'm hoping comes into the game, which is that um, when you have a player selected, it seems to be indicating the next player that you will select. So at least if if, if this happens, ah. then at least you can't. we're going to have less of people complaining, that's not where I passed it, that's not where I did it this. That's not, like, there's a little bit less blame to go at the game and now it's down to you. Who, who does that? I, I've done it a million times, I'll be honest with it. Uh, I do it all the time, all the time. <laughs> because sometimes it does just pass it in a way where, you know, like I, you can you can you can forgive mistaken passes because it makes you feel realistic. But when you've got a player running through on goal and he kicks it back to the goalkeeper, you've got a big problem. But I tell you, I, th- I, I see this I see this quite a lot. Actually, sorry to jump in there, but it's just something that I do come across quite quite a lot, and it's a common mistake. I mean, some of it, no doubt, is down to the mechanics, but a lot of it as well. Is down to a, a bad habit that a lot of players have is particularly with through balls. They'll aim their stick at the space where they want to hit the through ball to, and you really shouldn't be doing that. You should be aiming the stick at the player that the through ball's going to. That's oh, a common mistake. Really? That le- yeah, certainly that leads to a lot of people claiming that, well, I aimed the pass over here and it's gone over there. Well, no, you didn't. You aimed it into the space rather than to the player, and that often confuses the AI. Oh, my lord, you genius. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think right. you've just Everybody, a lot of people's lives. Buy it now! You have to. This is the sort of insight you can only get from a coaching package from Mr. Tactician. Right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Wait, that's there not even go. the sell yet. Wait till I do the sell at the end. Wait, you that wait. makes so much sense, though. Oh. I'm sorry. I just. Yeah, it does. And I think we've all been there a million times where we've like put the through ball into a position and I sort of just really assumed that it was that through balls are less overpowered and just blamed it on that 
no. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you should necessarily, you know, point if, if a player is standing behind you, you don't necessarily have to point directly at the player, but you've got to make sure that when, when you're hitting the through ball, you've got the stick pointed at least, well, a little bit more than vaguely in the in the direction of the intended player. I, you literally, know. I literally stuck it in behind. I literally put the path where I wanted the path to go. I, no, that would tend to cause there. confusion. Ah. There we go. Interesting. I'm super mm-hmm. happy with this. This podcast. There we go. You. This podcast been worth it for me just to get this. Like, I basically have free training. Like <laughs> after the last one, with um, when you told us about the sprinting, I was smashing teams because I just wasn't running as much. And now I've got this. I've been doing that for a while though. <laughs> the, the 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 not going at 500 miles an hour thing is such. I think is such an important thing. Cool. So yeah. So there's. I had no idea about the free balls i've always just been aiming them into the space does that include over the top through balls as well yeah yeah any through balls really any any passes oh, wow. you've, you've got to um if, if you're just pointing at an area of the pitch you, you're really leaving it down to the ai to to make that decision as to which player it is that you're selecting because as far as i understand it the ai only deals in in passes to players it doesn't unless you've got um manual controls assigned it, it won't actually deal with passes into space. Um, the AI assistance always looks for the player that you're passing to rather than the area of the pitch. That's interesting. Yeah, fair enough. I um, don't think any of us had any idea about that. No. But well, there we go. Happy to have enlightened you all. Cool. Well, moving on. <laughs> uh, there was no team of the week again this week for the second week in a row, much to Steve's. Talented chagrin, I imagine. Anger. Uh, Pure and unadulterated anger. These however, they've added cards to the World Cup mode, haven't they? Uh, they've Have added cards to the normal mode that are based on. Na- they've added nation SBCs into the normal mode that are based on World Cup teams. And they've also added new, completely new players into the World Cup mode. Oh, they've added, they've added Royce, Royce. Yeah, Milinkovic, Savage, and. I've literally forgotten who the third was. And they look amazing. Um, I should add that I've had, I've had console issues young. here, so I can't really be much Ashley help young on this. I've missed out about two. Ashley times. Young. How could I, as a Man United fan, forget Ashley Young? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'll jump in here because I've done a lot of research on this because I've bought it work today. Um, so, the Nation SBCs, you can get you get one each one for doing a group. So, there's Vidal for doing Americas. There's Rashford for doing Europe. There's Kagawa for doing Asia, which includes Australia. And there is... Oh, is the fourth one? And it's in, in Didi of Africa, of course. Who could forget? Um, Not you. You wouldn't forget <laughs> something like that. So... <laughs> no. So, anyway... Every so every every continent has nations, and all the nations have their own SBC, like their own SBCs as well. So, for example, um, uh, Chile has Vargas in the Americas, and Brazil has Dalbert, and etc. etc. And they're all very not highly. They're all about eight. They're all between eighty-two and eighty-six rated. They're not very powered, like overpowered. They're, the big continent ones are more sort of well, like good, like ninety rated. I think that's eighty six or eighty eight. They're all good. Eighty seven. Yeah, they're all usable. Whereas the nation species ones are not so much. There's only a few that I would say that are usable. Um, there's like the, weirdly enough, the Saudi Arabia one. They have one called Al Wahid. I think his name is. 
and he was he's really good actually. He's got ninety six pace um, straight off the bat, and he's got decent strength, decent jumping. Um, there was a few others. Um, there's there's two traps. There's the Dumbia trap and the Nyang trap, which have just tried to trick people into doing, and they're not very good players. They've got they look they look good on their base cards, but they're not very good. The Dalbear looks really good actually for Brazil, but it's a tough one to do. Um, and there was another pacey one. Um, Niang? No, Niang was the trap. Don't fall into the Niang trap. Um, there is definitely... Oh, yeah, there's an Isquedo that's quite good as well, actually. For Colombia. Okay. Um, so, yes. These cards would have been good. great about eight months ago. Yeah. They yeah. Been I think they're going to get eaten alive by Team of the Season defenders, certainly the attackers. They're good... The, like I said, the Almohurid and I think they're good. They're decent bench players. I don't. I wouldn't suggest building a team around any of these. Right. Is that is that the general thought that like thanks for the idea, EA? Um, we appreciate the effort, but meh. Yeah, mm. it's very much like yeah. the Path to Glory cards. Um, like they're useless now. Like they bigged them up all year, and it turns out they're actually they were only any good throughout the year and now when it comes to their time to shine they're useless unless they get big upgrades during the World Cup which or unless you can submit them into squad building challenges for for massive upgrades that'd be fun could you imagine you get to upgrade to 8 foot (laughs) 3 but um, in all seriousness I can see them using the Path to Glory players as part of like SBC's in the future, yeah. The th- the thing is, the problem is, as soon as you release team of the season, that's the like that's the end game for everyone, isn't it? That's like the it's very difficult to bring out cards that are going to supersede team of the season players, isn't it? Yeah, that is. I, I don't think they will, and I think this year is unique because they made team of the season cards so like prev- prevalent. They're everywhere. Everyone's got them. I think also though, isn't isn't there a possibility that? So many people liquidise their clubs for World Cup mode. You're going to have a lot of players coming back um, with less buying power, having to rebuild a squad. So I guess to some people, these cards may have some some sort of value. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I saw. To me, to me, they're Fabergé eggs, and that means in what sense? Fabergé eggs. They're like. People use them as a show. I've seen a lot of people doing them on like Twitter and stuff, like as a show of wealth. But they're just there to look pretty. Like they don't have any like actual use. I'm I'm personally really disappointed because, and look, they've still got like what a whole month to like release fun, fantastic cards and make the game like fun and all of that stuff. And uh, you know, I'm not saying they're not going to, but. I was really, really hoping for like some really, really fun special things, like um, you know, players that hadn't made the World Cup, such as like Buffon, like you know, or like having just a crazy fun player. Like I was, I said, you know, oh yeah, bronze player. If they get like a good performance in the World Cup, they should just give them like silly stats, like because it, it, I, I want to see some fun in, injected. They did say on their release that next week I think it was next week they're going to release um, like special international superstar things and more SBCs so that would be something yeah there was a teaser and the wording 
in one of the tweets by EA made it sound a bit like icons. there could be some players that weren't, weren't in the World Cup. Yeah, or possible icons, like new icons. It sounded that sort of ilk. But I think what Adam's getting at is this stage of the game, when you're looking at new cards, it's not necessarily about how good they are or look at these stats. It's what would be interesting, this is why footies has been interesting and the foot birthday cards are interesting actually, was if there are cards which either change positions or change up certain attributes that you wouldn't expect just to make exactly. things a bit different. Like the left back bail and the centre mid Alaba were really fun. Yeah, the birthday the birthday one was done really well this year. The both both years have done the birthday. God really that's horrid. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Last year. Both of them as well. as well. Like even the even the worst one was still pretty bloody special. I I really wanted them but I just wasn't I wasn't rich enough to get them. Ah. Oh. Right. Okay. Do you so one play Andy Carroll. Uh, I think they should do a special they Andy should. Carroll <laughs> card just just for you, Steve. Right. Anyway, moving on. So since we last spoke, there's been quite a lot of esports activity. There's been the Amsterdam World Cup qualifiers. There's been all sorts of exciting things. A lot of the big players have got through. I know, Steve, your favourite player, Kurt's got through. Um, so I just thought we'd talk a bit about the coverage and what we thought about it, who saw what. Which Steve was you referring to? Both of you, to be fair. <laughs> I think there's a lot of, yeah, we both kind of love Kurt the same amount, don't we? Yeah. He's the greatest. Oh, gosh. And they get them rid- in equal measures. I would, I would take them getting rid of the market if they also got rid of <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Fair comment. This is your personal comment. Um, Yeah, so I wanted to, like, because I watched this, this was, like, the first eSport event that I really watched, and like I said, like I said, um, I want to say how poor, I think the coverage was very good. Um, Like, they kept skipping, like, they didn't give the games any, like, previous, they didn't give it any instruction, didn't learn about the players, the story. Like, if you're trying, Chao Sonnen will tell you, Big fan I am, Chelsea. Then there's if you're going to sell a fight, you need to sell a story. You can't. It's not good enough just to have two people going rock and sock and robots, right? You need to have like some sort of story. So there needs to be more to it. Like there needs to be like what the play like are these have these players got a record against each other and all this sort of thing. Um, what tactics are they using? What players are they using? But all they do is just jump in from game to game to game to game, and sometimes. Even in the middle of a game, someone will be like four one up with like thirty minutes to go, and they'll be like, "Oh, this game is boring now. Let's go to another game." And then, like twenty, like five minutes later, they'll be like, "Oh my god, this game is four four! Wow, let's go to this game in extra time." And you're like, "I've literally just missed the exciting bit of that game. What have you done? Why have you done this?" Like people want to see those moments, and it was just I found it, the whole thing very frustrating. I think a lot of people picked up on the jump in between games in the middle of games and you're missing important bits and at the end of the day they're trying to present it as a serious sport and no matter whether the score is 12 nil or 5 all when you see a live game of football basketball tennis whatever they always follow through with that game till the end I, I'm, I'm not convinced that they're doing themselves a massive favor with this this swiss style format to be honest with you it's just I, I can I can understand why they do it. Don't get me wrong. I mean they're they're trying to get the cream to rise to the top. But let's say for instance the tournament that was shown on 
I think it was on Sky Sports 2, I may be wrong, it's certainly on one of the Sky Sports channels, to a casual viewer who's not a dedicated gamer, who has no idea what the Swiss system is, it's too much of an effort to try and get your head around that, whereas if if these tournaments were done in a straight knockout style, you know, a la FA Cup, then it would be much more easy for people to jump in, understand what stage we're at, understand what's at stake, There'd be more scope for, for giant killings, you know, which everybody loves, and that would kind of provide the story that, that Steve's talking about, you know, if you've got if you've got the underdog against the, you know, the potential champ. Um as I say, I understand why they do it, but if they if they want to broaden the appeal to, to the sporting public at large, I think they might be well well advised to simplify it a little bit. Yeah. You could like like that's it, isn't that's exactly it. I think Swiss is Swiss is a thing for like I said, I used to play competitive Yu-Gi-Oh! and Swiss was for the they did Swiss there and it's for the players. But no one watched like you wouldn't have people watching Yu-Gi-Oh! games, so it didn't matter, you could do what you want like in any format you wanted. But if you wanted to make it an esport, realistically, it has to get viewers. That is like that is half the point of having it as an esport. Like Yeah, and people love simple, people don't want they, they just want to watch a game and follow the competition. They don't want to be deciphering, well, if this guy wins this game and then loses the next two, but the other guy loses one and wins the next two, then he meets whoever, or just draw it so that it's seeded, so that, you know, I don't know, maybe like the uh, the League Cup, whatever that's called now, the Carabao Cup. Just make it simpler so it's easy for people to follow. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, also... As well, I you know I like that when if you have a draw and you have like a big wall chart and you have da 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 da, then the, yeah. you can follow the story as well. Like yeah, you can sure. do like potential yeah. matchups. Oh my god, it's going to be Kurt versus Gorilla in like round three. The geezer versus the Malteser. Like you could yeah. properly like big it up and stuff. I mean, and like get look, ready look for at, it. Look at actual real life sporting events. Um, and it's a rhetorical question, really, but you name me one major sporting event that uses the Swiss format. It's not like Wimbledon are suddenly going to turn around this year and say, right, we want to make sure that the best players compete in the last eight in the, in the quarterfinals, so we're going to introduce a Swiss system. They'd never do it because nobody would watch it. And shocks get news. Yeah. yeah. Shocks get news. If you had, like, Rafael Nadal who loses one set in, like, one game in the French Open, but he's still allowed to play all the other games and win, everyone would be, like, no one would bother entering no, because exactly. it would be just a Rafa on a Dow show. I, th- right. I think it's critical, to be quite honest. If, if they want to make it fly as a spectator sport, they've, they've got to simplify it and they've probably got to go to a straight knockout. Yeah, and I also reckon they should do like a good like highlight show, like a match of the day. Like, yeah. Especially if they do it over two days, you could just have like... Imagine not being able to watch it on like either day and then you just get like a nice little highlight package. You don't look at the results because it would be easy enough to hide it from you. You can watch an entertaining programme where you don't know what's going to happen and you can watch it and it can be like like really good. I reckon if they did that and they worked on their like production and all that sort of thing, they could make it like quality. I think so too. I, it, I can't help but wonder if perhaps I, I get a bit bored of, of, and frustrated of seeing pros on Twitter saying that EA don't pay enough attention to us, you know, like that they're always crying for a bit more attention. And I actually think that maybe what we're seeing at these tournaments is actually the complete reverse of that. 
where in actual fact EA are actually pandering to the pros a little bit because the pros would be up in arms if if they were to think, well, you know, I've travelled X amount of miles here and I haven't had a fair crack of the whip in terms of, you know, I've lost one game and I'm out. But that's life, man. That's that's the way that pro sports is. The, the, the pro players can't be pampered to just because they're, they're esports players. If they want to be taken seriously as, as, as pro sports people, then they have to stack up against the actual the other pro sports that are already established. And they're not going to do it by, by just, you know, pandering to them in this way. Um, isn't that why we watch sports, though? Like, not only just to see great performances, but we watch sports to see people risk and put a lot on the line. But, you know, you want the drama. Exactly. Drama. Like, uh, the, the, uh, do you know what? I have not watched that much football this year, admittedly. But I can't remember what game it was. It was in the FA Cup. But it was like... Uh, it was the Tottenham one where they almost um, lost um, in the FA Cup against a team in like League One or League Two. And I was enthralled by it. Not only because I wanted to watch Tottenham lose, but because of the fact that it was just exciting. Like, you know, it's this group of people that aren't that great. It, I mean, obviously, compared to the rest of us mere mortals, they're fantastic footballers. But, you know, compared to a Tottenham team that's, you know, playing in the Champions League and beating Real Madrid 3-1 earlier in the season... It was massive, and to get, for them to get a draw out of it, it was just fantastic to watch, and the drama of it, and the excitement, and also you got to give the people at the, you know, the, if a 16 seed goes against the one seed, of course everybody's going to want to watch the 16 seed, but that's when the one seed should step up and just smash them out of the tournament, like. But it makes it exciting as well, though, because I mean, who wouldn't love to watch? Say, if that did happen, so you've got the, the 16th seed against the number one seed. It would actually be quite dramatic to watch the 16th seed sitting there, parking the bus, looking to hit on counter-attacks, and watching him try and frustrate the number one seed. It, it, it creates drama automatically. It doesn't matter how the game unfolds, you've immediately created that drama because everything is on the line in that game. And it only takes one lapse of concentration, and that's how it should be. Like, I was going to make the point that a pro player would probably turn around and say, oh, I don't want to travel all that way to lose one game. But I don't then. Yeah, don't travel all that way. But the thing, the thing is, win. yeah, the thing is though, I'm not being funny. Like you want to talk about like because people compare. I don't want to go to lose that one game on RNG and stuff like that, right? But other games which have a way greater like scope of like RNG, such as Hearthstone, where the game is like literally based in parts on RNG. People do it as a knockout. Like, there's no other, like, because I just wanted to, like, you know, I thought Hearthstone would be the one game that we use Swiss. It's a hard game. You can bash up the game quite quick. They're using Knockout. That tells you how, like... Well, has anyone ever been in a poker tournament? Like... Say, yeah. Like, and where you just get knocked out really quickly of, like, a big poker game or a and poker the, tournament? The thing as well, there was a thing I want to come back to um, that Stokesy said about um, the players feel they don't get enough attention from EA, right? I'm going to compare this to MMA again, even though, I, even though it doesn't have as many similarities because they're not fighting each other. But there is a certain amount. They have to garner their own attention. Like, they don't call each other out. They don't, like, start feuds or anything like that. They don't create stories. If you don't create stories, you're not going to get attention. That's just, that's just the way it is. Like, Kurt, try, to be fair to Kurt, right, we give him all the things, but he's the one player that's tried to create attention. Well, he's the so one. we've had two players walk out now, haven't we? Of... Oh, the... The, the last two. Mini Kurt, or whatever his name is, you don't count. The copycat. Like, I'm sorry, right? You can't do it after. Yeah, exactly. Like it's like it's like freaking 
I, like, yeah, and I don't want to make the analogy he was going to make, but yeah. He was... I, the problem I have with the rage quitting, just briefly, the, the only problem that I have with the rage quitting, if people want to make a protest, if they want to make a statement about how they feel about the game, personally I'd encourage them to do it another way anyway, but if they, if they want to rage quit, if that's what they've got their heart set on, then don't do it when you're losing by two or three goals. You just look a dick. If you want to do it when you're winning two or three nil, because you're that set, you believe in it that strongly that you're going to throw away a lead and walk out of the competition, then I'll take you seriously. Then I'll think that your heart's really in it. But if you're doing it when you're losing 2 or 3-0 anyway and you've got basically nothing to lose by doing it, don't turn around and tell me it's a protest because it's not. I say, if Kurt wanted to really do a proper protest, right, he'd get to the World Cup final, he'd go 1-0 up for a kickoff goal, then he'd stand up, throw his controller and yeah. walk out. Totally. If that Kurt would be really a... want, no, but if Kurt really wanted to do that, he'd get to the World Cup final, then he'd wake up and realise it was all a dream. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> right? No, but it's true. He would. He should. If he'd done it right, he should have. He sh- he. Because there's a there's like a knockout game. The limit. There's like there's like an oh no, that was the tournament. That was the tournament after. But that's when he should have done it on the elimination game. He should have been like, "Fuck this, I'm out." Like gone one nil up and then been just dropped his controller and left the controller there. Left the guy still playing and just walked out. That's what he should have done. That's how you'd make a statement. Or I just think it'd be, it'd be much more effective if, if say, he'd scored a kickoff goal, right? Yeah. If he's just scored a kickoff goal, he drops the controller and walks. But don't do it when somebody else has yeah. just done that again. And get some people like in the like in like the speakers, like get some like people to play some music, like some dramatic music, like D Generation X or like Wonder Bros's walkout music. Like, give it a bit of cinematic time. I mean, if he spent the rest of the game. <laughs> no. I mean, I know, from what I know, he come, did he come back and just passed it around the back? But but yes. if he, yeah. if he <laughs> yeah. just done that without, you know, doing the whole walkout and stuff. I mean, to be honest, I, I kind of like, I don't, I don't encourage it. And I think it's a terrible thing to do in like a professional tournament. But I, I don't know, at least it generates some buzz. But um he should have just stayed there and just been like, well, this game's stupid. I'll play it to the end, but, you know, I'm just going to kick it against my own goal. Like, not scoring goals, but just I'm just going to be an idiot and just kick out France all the time and stuff. Like, if you want to make a mockery of it, at least give the guy... Like, that guy is still beating you, okay? You, you, you don't be disrespectful to him. Yeah. You think you're so... Like, you think you're so much better than him. No, he's like, what, 7-3 up against you. Just suck it up. And a lot of them have to start sucking it up a little bit because totally. of the fact that... You know, like um, Steve has brought up UFC a couple of times, and like I, I can use this uh, like analogy as well, which is that the original people that started out in UFC twenty years ago were earning peanuts. They did it for the love of it. Like, look, unfortunately, the Kurtz of the world and stuff, they're probably not going to earn as much as the esports players at FIFA ten years time. But you could have a lasting legacy, not by walking out of tournaments, but by fighting through it and just being like the rogue that's like. Oh yeah, I, I found it such a laugh. I just, you know, booted it out of the pitch and you know brought on the goalkeeper up front. Yeah, do that kind of shit because it's funny and it generates buzz. Don't walk out. Also, he's lucky that that guy was nice because if he did, if he did that to me, I'd be like, Kurt, suck it, freaking suck it. I'd have been doing the X's. I'd have been like trashing him. Would you not? That's the. He's lucky that FIFA Usman, who is like a good player, yeah. didn't just trash him. He should have. FIFA Usman should have got his wang out and just started <laughs> waving it around at him. He should have. Then that would have wow. been the biggest statement. That would have been it. And then both of them would have got. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm pretty sure it'd have been arrested. Yeah, <laughs> on a live stream right. that's, that's just going like, to a game that's pit, like a... uh, P <laughs> PG free or what is it? Peggy free? Yeah, yeah. Uh, AA Sports I, has I just think... been dis demonetized on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there are a lot of um, how should I put this? There are a lot of very fragile egos amongst the pro playing community. I'll say I that. I think that's that. fair. Yeah, and this is what I mean though. They should be they should people should be prodding at them. If I would if I want I mean I'm like I would I'm not gonna say that I would like to be a pro, I don't even care the right format to be a pro player. But if I was going to be a pro player, I would be like finding out these things about Kurt. And I'd just be going up to him in like games like play me Kurt, play me, you're scared I'm gonna kick off you, play me I would be a, I would be an absolute nightmare. Without yeah, doubt, yeah. As, as long as you're staying within the, the limits of the rules. I'm not getting my wang out. <laughs> not getting my yeah. wang out. Wow. That's your hot dog. That's what I mean. I want, I want... <laughs> I'd draw the line at anything that contravenes the Sexual Offences Act. But... Do you want to see my Julian dips? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think I think we should move on. I, I, I just wanted to make a point. The thing that I find incredibly frustrating, the whole thing, is that we're talking about oh there's a glitch oh there's that and the general reaction to it on twitter reddit so on disappointed me a little bit a lot of people were like oh good good on him the game's broken like i would have done the same and i think fifa has this issue and a lot of it goes back to the coverage but basically they're not focusing enough on the tactics they're not focusing enough on the mechanics on the ins and outs on how the other guy was exploiting the kickoffs against him. And I think there's like a cultural and issue around FIFA. Who would you know, Tom, that would be very good at pointing out those frailties in someone's game? Well, I think Stokes, <laughs> you'd agree with me that... And I'm sure you... <laughs> that was me selling it, by the way. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've, you've said a million times before that actually looking at back at the goals, there's ways that Kirk could have avoided conceding these goals. But the talk yeah. wasn't about that. The talk was about, oh, the game's broken. And that's partially the fault of the way the game was presented, like the way the issue was presented on the stream, and partially just, I think, people's attitude towards FIFA. Yeah, I mean, I don't really want to cover old ground again, but FIFA Usman scored a couple of good goals there, without doubt, in the game that we're talking about. And um, I think that there's... <laughs> Playing FIFA, especially at the the top competitive levels, it's not always necessarily about how good a, a FIFA player you are. A lot of it is about mentality. A lot about a lot of it is about whether your ego is constructed in such a way as to be able to take these kind of situations. A lot of it is about whether or not you've allowed something to get into your head. As soon as you start, this is going to sound like such a cliche, but as soon as you start playing with any kind of fear across any sport, whether it's an e-sport, an actual sport, it doesn't matter. You play with any kind of fear. And that fear will, will only lead to you making mistakes. And if, if you're approaching a kickoff and you've already got it in the back of your mind, right, I'm weak, I'm vulnerable, the chances are that you're going to react in a way that isn't particularly helpful in terms of uh, of making you robust and, and less likely to concede the goal. And it's an issue, I think, that's been going on. And everyone does it. Like, well, you can see the last-minute goal and you're like, oh, scripting, scripting did me. It's like, no, maybe you just defended rubbish because it's the last minute of the game and you're nervous totally. about conceding. If, well, you, if you're sitting there with a little voice in the back of your head going, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it, it, pretty good chance that it's going to come. 
I'd, I'd be really interested to see if there are any kind of stats nerds out there with too much spare time on their hands. I'd be really interested to see if it's the case that there are certain pro players who concede far more kickoff goals than perhaps others do, because I would expect that to be the case. Well, this was this was one of the other things we wanted. We should have talked about when we said the about the esports thing was that they don't keep any stats with, so they've got no reference for like weaknesses of players. They they do generally like the very vague like um, FIFA Usman is very aggressive. Like they don't have stats. They're not like. FIFA Usman scores two kickoff, like scored seven kickoff goals in the last tournament. Something to look out for, or he's got on the count. He scores a lot of goals on the counter and all this sort of thing. I think that's something that they need to do. Like EA needs to do better to market the program. Because if you go yeah. to any other game, like um, League of Legends, for example, you like someone can use Jinx really good. They use the ultimate here. They like people know the playstyles. Hearthstone, same thing. People know the playstyles. FIFA. Not so much. Cool. So I think it's now time for Adam's technical segment, our reoccurring bit, where Adam looks into the coding and looks into the makeup of the game. If you yeah, so, um, so over the last couple done. of weeks, I've been messing around with some of the things um, in the game I made. Um, if you check out our Twitter, you'll be able to see I've um, posted some, some stuff up where I made like an 8 foot 3 of Bummy Yang and like a 4 foot 11. Um, Ronaldo and a 4-7 De Gea um, and as much as a lot of things are carried over so Ronaldo still has his running style and stuff but it it breaks down a bit you can see the animation was built towards him being six foot three or six sorry six one or wherever he is but there's certain things where the game just can't handle it properly like I found for me personally the four foot eleven Ronaldo is the best striker I've ever used in the game for hitting the ball it just, it just absolutely explodes in the top corner, uh, more than his um, his tall version. But his tall version can do things where, um, so I made a seven seven one of him. You fizzle the ball into the box, and he can volley over the head of the other player. So they jump up for the header, and he's just <laughs> doing like a, a sideways kick into the top corner. Um, but it. It's very weird to see how like the players react and like also their body type. So something that um that I wanted to get into, not just messing around and making, you know, messy nine foot and stuff like that, is that there are some body types that are hard coded into the game. I've been looking into the body types and um some of the body types that you'd expect to see because they've been cover stars are Ronaldo and Messi and obviously they move a lot different from other players. I think that's what sometimes makes them unique, you know. Even if Messi suddenly, um, I don't know, he um, wore a Spider-Man suit and dyed his hair bright pink, you'd still know it was Messi moving with the ball. There's a there's a very distinctive movement to Messi's, like in-game and real life, and the same with Ronaldo. But there are some weird ones. So if you've ever created a player on the game, you'd be you'd probably have seen average, tall, and short body types. Um, in one of the FIFAs, they actually affected your stats. So, you know, if you were taller, you couldn't run as fast and stuff like that. But um, they've got some extra ones here. So um, number 10 is called Extra Tall. Um, and I'm guessing that's going to be for your Lucina Torres and people like that. Peter Crouch, etc. Yeah. Peter Crouch. Mm. God take everyone, do not say the wrong Number. Player. <laughs> Andy Carroll. Oh no! 
<laughs> We've got number 11 is Akam Fenwa. Now, at first you might think, well, why is he in the game? One, because he is loved by EA. Um, he is a heavy promoter for it, and he is always tweeting about it and stuff like that. And two, he does have a very unique body type. There's nobody else in football that is round. And I'm not, I'm not calling him fat. It's muscle, but he has got a very round body type. But also, <laughs> the thing that I found weird about the Akinfenwa body type is that I've only looked into a few players so far, but this year my favourite player has been Taliska. I found that he's hit the ball differently. He shrugs off player even though his strength isn't as high as theirs. And he has Akinfenwa's body type. Even though he's rake thin, from the from what I've seen in the game and what I've looked into, maybe it's different in Ultimate Team, but he has Akinfenwa's body type, which I've found is probably why he can barge players off the ball so easily. That's interesting. I've, I've used Taliska quite a lot myself. Um, he certainly doesn't look like Akinfenwa in the game, but one of the first... Well, I initially tried him at Cam, which is his, his natural position. He just wasn't doing it there for me. Um, but as soon as yeah. I moved him back to CDM... And uh, his stats don't necessarily I mean obviously his team of the season is fantastic in my opinion at least but um he I've used his card pretty much from the 84 all the way to this and he has shrugged off players with like 90 strength earlier in the game when he had like 78 or whatever yeah. it was and he was just I've seen him throw yeah. prime hullet to the ground like he's not there. Yeah, and and I'd like to add that he just never misses out on headers. He seems to win yeah. every header. Yeah, but then good card. Mm. Yeah, see, and so then does that become more important than the strength stat because he doesn't need it doesn't I matter think, what his strength is. I think I um, I want to explore this longer in um like other um future podcasts, but it's something that I'm going to have to look into where I'm going to have to just be very um and just sit there for three days kind of working out not a podcast for three days but i'm gonna to have to sit there for three days and work <laughs> out exactly what sort of effects it has because it, it is very interesting and as i was alluding to earlier height does play a very very weird role in animations and movements but um is there anywhere where it's actually sorry adam um just wondering if there's anywhere where it's actually listed where where you can see the body type of certain players, like on foothead. It currently like isn't, and I'm really, really hoping that they do it. It's 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 a hard yeah. one to look up. I mean, only for using like cheat engine and you know, like using the, not my code, but what other people have done on career mode have I been able to find these things out? And it has been very interesting, and I honestly want to see it put into the game. I mean. They don't have many body types. I mean, I'm just going to run through the last couple is Courtois, Neymar, Shakiri, um, and that's it. But I have found that their the body types have made a difference. I mean, it it will be interesting, especially if they start to motion capture other players for the future ones. If they start to go, well, with this, we've given this guy a you know body type nine because he moves very like this and stuff. It'd be really interesting. I remember last year, a lot of people loved Shakiri on the right wing yeah. for a long time, and they loved his body type. Is there a way to? Because obviously, you're, if you wanted to find the Levenak in Fenris, you just have to go and look through every player until you found yeah. the Nak in Fenris. I mean, unfortunately, and I, I say this unfortunately because of the fact that a lot of our listeners are not going to be PC players, but 
you would have to have the game on PC. You would have to have cheat engine. You don't need to know how to code or anything like that. But you would have to also be extremely patient. And you will crash the game a lot, especially messing around and making people's heights wrong um, or doing stupid stuff. It's a lot of fun. What the hell made you want to do this in the first place? Honestly, I, f I found it because of the fact that um, with the career mode, because um, at the beginning of the season, the Ultimate Team was not really my thing. I, I, I kind of lost a bit of love for it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to play career mode now because it's a lot of, like, I can have fun with that and build up a youth squad and stuff. And I found that the youth, it takes too long to build and stuff. So I was like, I wonder if there's a cheat engine out for this sort of thing and like for the training in the games. And then I found this and it had so many things. And I was like, I've got to try and make Ronaldo seven foot tall. And I just put in like um, uh, two, two fifty centimeters or two twenty centimeters, sorry. And then looked at it and I was just like, Oh, now I've got to put him against a five-foot goalie. And I just found it so much fun. And You need to change your Twitter handle to yeah. Frankenstein. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's what I might have to do, actually. I, I, I do love messing around with it. I, like, um, So this year, I, I, actually from last year, because um, I've done the similar things in last year's FIFA, but um, I wanted to give uh, my whole team, even if they're bad dribblings, that's five-star skill moves. And... I used it as a training for five-star skill moves. So I bring a lot of that into my game now just because of the fact that I had a, uh, even the goalie could do flip-flaps. So I learned how to go because I didn't care about losing the games anymore because it's career mode, who cares? And I was just taking on like every player with five-star skill moves. So I've incorporated it more into my game. Yeah. Adam, there's no way that people can incorporate this stuff in foot though, is there? So there's not a way that you could get like seven foot Ronaldo. Like you could just turn um like say Talisco into a seven foot two beast. <laughs> just <laughs> breaking through the midfield. Uh, I have not seen it yet, people. but I'm definitely not going to say it's not possible. Um, I, I will just point out that I've played people using cheat engine with tall teams. Yeah. Um, really? And there's people on Reddit who have posted like a seven foot Alza Puerta, things like that. But what where I think there is relevance, what we spoke about is, is we can start to look at players like Talisca and we can explain why they play like they do. Why, like, all right, he's got great agility and dribbling stats. Why players like Insigne and Mertens seem way better dribbling than, like, Messi? And why Talisca's, despite having worse stats than, like, a Milinkovic-Savic, seems to keep beating him in the air seems to keep out strengthening him. I think, I know I'm going to explore this um, just because of the fact that I don't want to just throw 5,000 things and do a five-hour podcast, but there are more things coming up where, like, for instance, the shooting styles are very, very interesting because they're actually... I was about to say, yeah, <coughs> Timo Werner. Yeah. Remember when we, like, he had, like, 88 shot power, but, yeah, he could ping it in better than every other player. And we were like, I mean, why? I, I've experimented yeah. a bit with it. There's a, still a long way for me to go with it, but it's very, very interesting. Um, it is interesting, that actually. Because if you can get all the players who have like the perfect like ping shot or something, you can have a distinct. I, I, I mean, my main hope from this segment is that someone like a Foothead or something starts to pick this up and starts to look into the game at the level that I'm trying to look into it. And starts to add this sort of information because of the fact that Ma I'm going to be very upset if Talisca doesn't shoot the same next year. 
and I won't want to use him if he doesn't. Well, he ain't going to shoot anything because oh, he's gone yeah. to China. Oh, oh, don't remind me of that. But that, that from so just an early indication um, from what I've gathered so far, there seem to be the the way that players shoot is split into two different uh, uh, values, and each one has at least a hundred. So there is a potential for what to, I, I can't do the math because I'm rubbish at math, but there's a potential for loads. Yeah. 10,000. No, wait. 10,000. Yeah. There's a potential for 10,000 different shooting types, which is incredible when you think about it. Okay. Right. I think, yeah. we, that I think we should move on. Cool. So moving on, I think it's time we... Uh, put Mr. Steve Stokes, field tactician, into the hot seat. So we invited you on as a guest. Uh, you've helped us a lot with the podcast, and thank you, you've given us a bit of direction and the odd shout-out, so we thought we'd invite you on as our first guest. So the first thing to do, and Steve Valance will completely agree with me about this, is say that I've been using your Gegen pressing formation, your, your Jürgen Klopp one, and I think it's bloody brilliant. I've used it for about 70 80 games now i've used it for two foot champs um weekend leagues and honestly it's so fun it's just so nice to have a different tactic to 41212 it's quite like a fun antidote to that but also i think there's a lot of pressing from the wide players which people aren't used to because a lot of people play more narrower formations i seem to be able to catch people out with the pressing and thing I think that is genius is the fact that you, it's a 4-5-1 on the game well, but then you I love the way you explain it on the video like it's the, the four, it's 4-2-3-1 isn't it yeah. sorry not 4-5-1 I like the way you explain it in the video like this is what it looks like in the game this is what it looks like on the sheet that you've got I thought that was like, brilliant you explained it really well it's very it's- easy to do yes yeah, it's, it's a very important thing in terms of tactics that people do tend to get caught up in um, like when you pick up the uh, the newspapers and you'll see that I don't know Liverpool played in a four three three, it's it's misleading because they won't have been in a four three three throughout the entire game. Um, there's a saying in I think it's NLP neuro linguistic programming that the map is not the territory, and it certainly very much applies to, to formations in football. They tend to be fluid. They'll alter through um, different phases of play, so a team will take a different attacking shape to what it would take defensively. You know, kind of just kind of logical that that would happen really um and the best way to replicate it sounds kind of counterintuitive i appreciate that but the best way to replicate liverpool's 4-3-3 was actually to set them up in a in a base 4-2-3-1-2 and then just fiddle about with the player instructions a bit so that it would it would take the shape of a 4-3-3 in game really yeah um if anyone hasn't used it i suggest you go over to um foot tactician the youtube channel and you have a look yeah, at I it. think I think if you search for Steve Stokes, it should take you to it, or just how to play the Liverpool way. Yeah, and it, it's ten minutes, literally ten minutes, and you can play, like play some of the like most fun football. And like I said, right, like, like I was talking about earlier, mixing it up is a brilliant, like, beautiful way to mix it up. Um, yeah, and I think I think what Tom said was valid as well about the um, about closing down space with with the pressing. A, a lot of players aren't used to what it enables you to do is is apply a lot of pressure from the wings especially if you're using quick wingers um 
and a lot of players aren't used to it. Um, you can easily isolate fullbacks with it and just create two on ones where you can use teammate contain just to to cut off the run in front of the of the fullback and then whip in with the player that you're controlling to to win possession. Um, that's a big feature of it. Uh, but it's also just through having sheer numbers in your opponent's half. It just it makes it much easier to to just kind of swarm and and create more problems so you can win the ball high up and just launch counter-attacks from from great positions rather than in your own half. Yeah, you do tend to suffocate the other team. Uh, Like, all the players in their half is brilliant. I'd also like to say it's a lot more defensively solid than you'd think. Sort of as an attacking Liverpool formation, defensive solidity isn't what you think about, but it's... Hmm. He's actually solved Klopp's problem. <laughs> yeah, that, that, was a, that was a mistake. I, di- I didn't make. I didn't mean to make it so defensively solid. But I certainly <laughs> concede a lot less goals from counter attacks than I did with four one two one two. Yeah, I, I think if you're a competent defender, if you if you're if you're not too aggressive, it's kind of you've got to separate it into two. You've got to separate it into being aggressive um, when you've got the ball and you're in your opponent's half. You've got to be a little bit more passive when when you're being attacked. So you're going to suffer if your if your defenders are stepping towards the ball. Um, you've you've always got to be kind of on the back foot and just waiting for that time to to either intercept or make the tackle. Um, you will get punished for being aggressive. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 a lot more solid than I uh, than I initially thought it would have been. So Kurt, if you're listening, it still won't stop you from getting kicked off, but you can try it. I think it's fantastic that like you're you're like you know making. You know, it's not just the four one two one two thing all over it. Like, it's really nice to see some like different formations. I've never used the four one two one or whatever the bloody hell it's called. I just use four three three because it's personally what I love and uh, whatever. But I, yeah, you know, it's really good to just. Otherwise, you're just coming against the same thing where everybody's oh quickly pulls. Oh, here we go. Oh yeah, now I've got this. Oh yeah, everybody's the same. Like it, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a game where it's, you're putting in your own like, um, you know, your own like. Ex- this is how I view what I would do with my football team and all of this stuff, and you know, yeah, it's so much more exciting. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's about expressing yourself, isn't it? Without sort of wanting to use a cliche, but it is. It's about having the opportunity to think. Right, okay, this is this is the kind of football I enjoy seeing. Um, so. Why on earth shouldn't I be able and, to play this way? But creating a tactic, I think, like requires like something special. Like you've done something special, like, and you shouldn't like, like hide, be modest about it. You've done like something special, and this like brings us on to like the discussion of why you don't have to be a great player to be a great coach, and necessarily that the two aren't hand in hand. Well, no, I mean, I'm, I'm very rare in that I am a great player. I'm actually probably much better than most of the pros out there. I just don't often get the... No, I'm lying. I'm You're better than Kurt. That's what I heard. Um, no, I That's what I heard. I heard that you could do Kurt. That's what I heard. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm okay. I can hold my own very much. Um, but, yeah, um, to your point, um, it's, again, it's something... It's, 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 it's FIFA imitating real football again, isn't it? Because when you look at a lot of the, the great coaches the great managers um examples off the top of my head i guess people like brendan rogers rigo saki paul clement all renowned developers of talent you know it's, it's a moot point as to whether or not they're great managers but they're, they're all well known for developing talent um saki certainly was a great manager these guys um weren't necessarily average or bad players they never actually kicked a ball professionally 
Um, Arrigo Sarki, who won a couple of European Cups with Milan, uh, when he took over at Milan, the, the Italian press immediately had their knives out for him, saying that actually the, the president, Silvio Berlusconi, who'd, who'd played at a very low amateur level, was actually more qualified to manage the team than the than the manager that they were bringing in. So um, it's, it's something that applies through football. That The flip side is true as well, I should add. The likes of John Barnes, um, Diego Maradona, Gary Neville, um, who've all had very successful footballing careers have gone on to be absolutely atrocious managers. So, uh, yeah, in, in terms of coaching across any sort of board, you don't... What what Arrigo Saki actually said um, when, when the press took their knives out for him, his response was, um, I didn't realise that you needed to have been a horse in order to become a jockey. <laughs> I, 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 I 100% agree. I, and also, like, from... from I mean, and um, Sir Bobby Cholton's um, quote, I think, is beautiful in that he said when I, when I was growing up and when I was playing football I didn't understand why other people couldn't do what I did like because it comes so naturally to him that that it just he was he was yeah. mystified as to why other people weren't you know picking the ball up and going around five players and putting it in the top corner like I I, I mean I can say this personally that I, I played basketball for quite a few years I was never like a pro or even like in a, a particularly great amateur but there were times when I would watch the NBA and there were certain players where I'd think, my God, if I had the physical gifts you had, the things I could do with it. Yeah. Well, I can, I mean, I was actually, I don't want to name drop here, but I was privileged enough to, to interview a former England manager um, some years ago. And he said that the biggest adaptation that he had to make as a coach was the other players weren't as technically gifted as he was during his playing career. Um, and it, it was frustrating to be able to say to a player, right, I want you to do this, and find that they actually couldn't do it. So, you know, th- there are cases where, where the flip side applies. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, don't get me wrong, I'm aware that, you know, there are some pro players out there um, who are offering coaching, and no problem with that whatsoever. I'm, I'm sure some of them are very good. Um, but it's it's more speaking to this sort of misconception that you know you, you you've got to be, be yeah. the horse and the jockey again. You know you've got to be a horse in order to be a jockey. You don't. It's it's uh, yeah, it's well, nonsense really. I think some of them are doing it like to raise money and stuff and to raise their profiles because obviously being like top one hundred and all that sort of stuff. Like you know they need to like cash in on it because especially if they're not winning these tournaments and they're not doing, they they need to they need to cash in. And I think they're oh, sure, yeah. finding it as a way to like cash in. And, and, and they know that it's a pull, I guess, you know, because it, it sounds great, all, doesn't it? You know, top 100 player, if, if I can get top 100, surely I can teach you how to get top 100. Yeah. And there may be some of them who can, you know, I'm not dismissing that at all for one second. There may be some who can, but I just, it's just urging caution against this idea that the best players are going to make the best coaches. You know, I wouldn't want to see people throwing their money away when uh, when they're not going to get the best value for money. Yeah. yeah. Also as well, like, can you imagine Kurt as a coach? Like, don't you, as soon as you score a kickoff goal, we just keep it, like, walk out and have it at the end of your session, done. Like, but you do, in all seriousness, you do need to have, like, a temperament to be a coach. Like, you need to, you need to have, like, an analytical yeah. mind. You need to have, you know, certain, sure, like, yeah. different... You, you need to, sorry, I was, you need to put the anal in analyst. Yeah. yeah. You, you really do <laughs> pay such a close attention. You do such a close attention to detail and just... But then again, you know, having said that, often... Once you've once you've really got your head around it, you tend to find that the same mistakes crop up quite a lot with different players. 
um, yeah. kind of habitual mistakes that players make at certain levels. Um, you, oftentimes, just from watching the types of mistakes that a player is making, you can pretty much figure out which division he's in, what sort of level of ability they're at, because certain mistakes go with certain levels of ability, I tend That's to find. So what mistakes do you see the most, like, the like? what's the most common mistakes you see? Don't give too much away, obviously, because you need people to thing. The most common one by far is over-sprinting. Um, people tend to think that well, it's, it's true to an extent, pace does kill in FIFA, but it's only in certain situations. In in a lot of situations, it can actually be harmful. Um, I think if if you if you look at if you look at it from the flip side as a defender, what what you're often doing is trying to close down space quickly. So if you've got a big gap between an attacker, what you want to be doing is getting your defender to that attacker quickly to close down space. So it makes it harder for him to pass or to shoot or or, or whatever. So if that player is moving slowly towards you, the onus is more on you to pull your defender out of position to go and meet him. Okay, But if conversely that attacker is sprinting full speed towards your defender, he's doing the job for you and your defender can hold his position, he can keep his spot in the defensive line, um, less likely to let through balls through. And it just makes it so much easier. So what generally, I mean, just, don't give too much away. I probably am here now. But generally what I always tend to say is that there's only really two times when you should be sprinting when, when you've got the ball. And that is either when you're sprinting away from or sprinting into. And what I mean by that is if you're sprinting away from a defender, that's fine. Go for it. Um, or if there's a big, big area of space in front of you, um, equally go ahead and sprint into that. But apart from those two situations, really, um, you shouldn't really be sprinting when you've got the ball. Cool. Very insightful. And I was given a heads up on this before the show, before, before. so I've used these like hint, like tips already for like a daily knockout tournament, and you'll be so surprised at how much improves your game, just this little like, tidbit. Like, it's ridiculous. Like, if I wasn't it's- sold on... Mr. on uh, Steve Stokes before, like now, <laughs> guys, the deal, deal. Oh, I'm not even joking. Like seriously, like four oh, three three. Oh wait, you wait. I haven't even. This isn't even the sell yet. <laughs> this isn't even the sell. The sell's coming at the end. Uh. I Steve's used to uh, living in East London and going to the local Spitalfields Market and trying to flog <laughs> fish uh, and right. vegetables. And 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 yeah. Uh, Two sessions, twenty pound. Also, we need to get you your PS4. We need to buy your PS4 because it broke. So we need to like get you your. Well, I did, yeah, yeah. I got a lovely new. Um, what do you call it? Gameplay, play something, some special feature edition. Lovely blue thing. Very good. Still plays exactly the same. You know what's under the engine's the same, but it's all good. But yeah, going. But I want to go back to sprinting again briefly because um, it's something that people often find it hard to break that habit. Because it is almost an addiction for some people just just to hold down that R2 button all the time. Um, and people have asked, and I'd really love to encourage people to do this more because it would make FIFA such a more enjoyable game if people didn't just spam Sprint. One of the best ways to, to get used to not using Sprint is to just build a team with slow pl- slow players. So you've got great passing, great dribbling, terrible speed. And you'll find that there's actually absolutely no point in holding R2 with these players. So you have to figure out different ways and it'll improve you as a player altogether because it'll improve your passing, your dribbling, it'll improve your vision. So anybody who thinks that they are struggling with sprinting too much, 
top tip would be just to go out and spend a few thousand K. Um, these players tend to be really cheap because we do overvalue speed in FIFA. Um, so just spend a few K on, on a squad that's got, you know, your Tony Cruz's, Tony Kroos, Cruz can never quite get that one right. Um, that sort of player, Iniesta, and just get used to using them where, where sprinting isn't going to, it's not even going to help you. So you'll just uh, not, you'll just not Zaxa because he's a zero. <laughs> or Xhaka, you mean? <laughs> I genuinely thought when you said, if you want to stop sprinting and get out of the habit, I thought you were going to say, chop the middle finger off with your right hand. I genuinely thought that's what you were going to say. I, was gonna, I thought, if you really want to break the habit, just let it off. Wow. No, I, uh, no, I wouldn't go that far. Cool. Yeah. So, um, Stokesy, what like inspired you to get into coaching and tactics? Is it something you've been doing for a while or like, it's um yeah yeah no really um I do have a sort of background in football um mainly as a writer um but the the kind of the tactical side of it it just really came from I don't know I'm pretty sure we've all been in a situation where we've been stood around a, a TV in a pub or what have you and somebody will go like oh, why has he done that? You know, was, oh, he doesn't know what he's fucking doing. Yeah. Mm. And I've, I've done that myself as that well. That person you know, but, is called Steve Allen. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, somewhere, somewhere amongst that crowd of people will be somebody exactly like me who's actually listening to that question and trying to figure out exactly what it was that did cause him to do that and what he could have done better. And it's really, I think, it's just having that kind of analytical bent to the mind. Um and that coupled with a, with an interest in football, I think, and obviously, obviously FIFA too. Fair enough. Um, so, you've obviously been adapting different players or different styles from managers. You've adapted Guardiola's, you've adapted Klopp's. Is what's if there could be like one exciting, interesting formation from history that you could put into FIFA? Do you think there's one that you'd like to do, or one set of tactics? I think. Um, were it not for the limitations of the game, it would probably be total football. Uh, the Rhinus Michaels system from the seventies with with uh, with the Netherlands. Is that the Cruyff? Yeah, that one is the one. Yeah, Cruyff, Niskens, that sort of thing. Um, <clears throat> but it's I don't think that the uh, the game mechanics would really allow for it. I have <laughs> I have faffed around with it a bit in the past, but I've never really it's got too, anywhere it's to do with fluid, it. It's too fluid, isn't it? It's too. Yeah, you you tend to get pulled out of shape far too quickly with it. Do you know? Um, do you know I've genuinely created a tactic similar to it. On right. one of the old FIFAs, um, do you know what you had to do? You, only, you can't do it on foot. You can only do it on FIFA, where you can move the you can move the players. Arrow. And make, yeah, I made an, a formation that was an arrow. Yes. Mm. Oh my goodness! Your arrow formation and, on FIFA twelve. And I used and I used to so do that's it four three two one. Uh, it was two three. It was like so. It was like two centre backs that were like behind each other. Right, and okay. then. The rest were midfield. Then it was like two midfielders, maybe three midfielders, and then it was like oh no, it would be maybe it was five midfielders because it'd be like a left midfielder, a centre mid, a centre defensive mid, a centre attacking mid, a right midfielder. Then it would you're, be like you're going back to the you're going back to the like thirties and forties here with that yeah 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 and it was <laughs> like sort of inside right so. left forward centre forward and then right yeah, forward. Went... and what would you do it you do it with Chile 
and because all their players had high attacking work rate and high defensive work rate, so they'd all just bomb forward and bomb back and bomb forward and bomb back. It used to be like it was like my parties. <laughs> but yeah, that's the closest. The thing I've is, got the to reason it. I think it works so well is is quite similar to what they was already playing under Marcello Bielsa, and was what I was going to say. I'd love to see adapted, but is probably quite difficult with the formation limitations. Is like a three-three-three-one, which is. It's it's not just that. It would mean watching a lot of Leeds United. Oh yeah, Leeds. <laughs> has he been? Is he official? Is he official? I don't. I don't also, as well, that's so, above. That's yeah. a bit above Sunderland's league, isn't it? So you don't want to. Well, watch yeah, that. I'd only get jealous watching <laughs> these these quality football teams. Yeah. Actually, Sunderland have had a lot of stick on this podcast. So, just just one positive thing about Sunderland, a, a club from from one of the poorest areas in the country. They've lost more home games in the past I don't know how many years than any other club in the country and they've just sold over 20,000 season tickets oh, for, for League One football mm. I, I, do I mean you know that's, what? that's something that I, is something I did say like in previous podcasts like I do wish it happened to Wigan <laughs> or someone that's like yeah. the fans <laughs> no because Wigan Wigan couldn't start couldn't sell 20,000 tickets if they were playing Man United with Cristiano Ronaldo Carlos Tevez and Wayne Rooney like what is wrong with your town if you'd rather see a sport with an egg shaped ball you've something wrong with you right there's reason there's no there's a reason there's like one rugby game created ever full stop and that's because nobody I mean to be fair yeah when you when you're playing about as well as our uni five aside team used to and you're still selling 20,000 tickets that is impressive do you know do you know what I've got like um, a question I wanted to ask which is that um in in foot, would you like to see? So, for instance, um, you would still have to have um, the chemistry work. So you would have to you'd have like a rigid formation for the chemistry, but then there'd be like a separate tactics page yep. where you could move people. You could move them far, but you could move them just a little bit and stuff. Just a, a, a compromise between the freedom you have in exhibition and career mode, but also keeping like yeah. you must still. You can't just oh, I'm going to make Ronaldo um, play as a striker, but really want him as a centre mid, and it will all work out. But, like, just a bit of fluidness. Well, that was a thing, wasn't it, until they removed it because people were using it to park yeah. the bus? Um, <laughs> they just sticking in 10 at the back. Well, yeah, effectively. It's, well, not quite that bad, but they were dropping players deeper than perhaps they should have been able to drop them. I th- they've Obviously, they've announced a lot of changes, haven't they, for FIFA 19 tactics-wise, which obviously I can't wait to have a look at and, and see yeah. what that's all about. Um, but at the moment, I've only really seen the screen grabs of it, so it's, you know, from Chewboy. Okay. So it's difficult to, to get into I, the specifics of that at the moment. But I, I think what they are doing is something that I've, I've cried out for for a long time, which is to have um, on-the-fly tactical changes so you don't have to pause the game. You can pre-program in... Um, you press the direction pad in one way and you get a four two three one two, or you press it up and you get the four three three, or um, all with preset player instructions. So I'll be really happy to see that implemented. How many minutes do you reckon was wasted on people pausing at the start of the game and changing it to four two four one two one two but at the start of the game? Hours, and I think we're going to waste as much time now as it's, it's one of the key things in FIFA nineteen. Is going to be being able to identify different formations from the shape, so you're identifying formations on the fly. Um, and I think what you're going to get is a lot of chess where players will identify the four-one-two-one-two narrow, so they'll switch to the four-two-three-one-two, um, 
and then the other person who's playing the four one two one two narrow will clock that, so they'll change to. But like that that makes a beautiful fluid game, and that also makes means players like say if someone's only good at one tactic, right? Unless they're elite at that tactic, like really, really specialist elite, they're gonna have trouble. They're gonna like it makes the game yeah. a lot more interesting, and it also going to make it a lot more fun. But it's gonna make it a lot harder for them commentators. Because they True, they're going to need to know their stuff. They're going to need to know their stuff. <laughs> they're not going to need to catch it. Like, can you imagine? Like, oh, he's changed to four two three one. Hang on, wait, no, he's not. Like, it's just going to. They've got to be on there. They're going to have to. Do, you're going to have to train them. Would you be interested in being a commentator I mean, for these tournaments? Oh, I would never rule anything <laughs> out. We say. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I. I think actually that Brandon and Richard do a really good job. Um, they get a lot of stick, but I think they do an excellent job. And I think that they're very smart guys. And I think that they'd be, I think they'd be bright enough to talk around the uh, the tactical stuff in pretty broad terms. So I think that rather than saying like he's gone to a, a three four one two, they'd just say, oh, he looks to have uh, just become a bit more aggressive and maybe you know moved a few players." few players into more advanced positions yeah it certainly be my advice because i don't think i'd even feel comfortable in, in just diagnosing the shapes on the fly but know, perhaps it, sorry but perhaps it would be good to have like um the same format as what you have in wwe ufc football where you have one that's very technically minded and then you have your sort of color commentator that's there like oh yeah he oh he's bagged it from out far and then like someone break down what's actually happening because i up for me personally i love that commentating style of having your you know your mike goldberg just be a hype man and then you have your joe rogan where he's analytically breaking down exactly why someone is moving their feet this way to launch a kick and stuff i i yeah I, th- I think that's that's what you need from the um, well from the analyst, I suppose. It, it's, it's very rare when you watch a football match on TV, where you'll have the um, the co-commentator, normally the ex-pro, where they'll actually say something that you didn't already know. That a lot of it is just parroting. I was shouting, "What I hit so, some you know, is a like, really important contribution." Well, Sorry, this is one. Yeah, but, this, but, this but, is... but but what they'll they'll tend to do is just, they'll tell you what you've just seen, like you know, like he didn't he didn't quite get the ball out from under his feet. Well, yeah, we know that. Tell us yeah. something that we didn't know. You know that sort of. See, thing. that's why Laura was good because Laura used to come up with some beautiful. <laughs> 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 yes, you Laura. know, like the Batman. I joke. really like Danny Murphy. Actually, Danny Murphy does a good job at the moment, even if he does sound a lot like Ron Atkins. Oh, moving swiftly on. <laughs> And Danny Murphy has pulled an icon. Who is this? <laughs> Chelsea, defender. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Emmanuel Petit. <laughs> yeah, now we could do the two Steves. I'll be the hype man and you can be the one that tells him what's actually going on. I'll be like, shoot, shoot. He's 35 yards out. Shoot, it's Ronaldo. Um. <laughs> I'd yeah, be selling the fights. I would be. And every time Kurt come on, the thing would be like, boo. You can hear the crowd booing from here. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> right. We love you, Kurt. <laughs> um, how are you I was going to say, while we're talking about, we were talking a bit about FIFA 19, when a new FIFA comes out, does that present like challenges and having to say like a bedding in process and a time where you have to get to know the game 
yeah, there's always a, a brief period of adjustment. Um, the mechanics are always slightly different. I mean, when, when the game moved over to Frostbite, that was obviously, obviously quite a big one. Um, I don't anticipate there'll, there'll be great changes this year, really. And the fundamentals, you know, they, they always apply as time goes by, as the, uh, as the song goes. Um, that's showing my age. That's quite <laughs> Casablanca, isn't it? I wasn't actually around when Casablanca was made, I should add. But yeah, the fundamental things don't really change. Um, so passing, running, shooting to an extent, so, although shooting is going to change quite a lot in this that's one. That's what they're it? saying. So, that's certainly something that's going to Because I did, I did wonder time. how people, like... Because the pros always go on game to game, don't they? And I always thought, like, what if one of them was just good, like, two years ago and just living on past glories? <coughs> um, like, you know? Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, they've got to adapt as well. And that they'll be spending a good few months adapting and, and basically trying to find out what the glitches are. This is, this is always something that annoys me a bit about the... The double standards really in a lot of ways from the pro players because yeah. they, they moan about these glitches and complain about them but actually nine times out of ten they're the ones who sit there trying to abuse the game and find the glitches yeah, in the first place it must be that, it must be really frustrating when you get to know a game you sort of analyze the game you understand the game and then two weeks in they release a patch completely changing the game can be, yeah, but it can also be challenging and just sort of give you a, a, a bit of a refresher. And uh, every time they change the game, every time you've got something new to look at, you just it, it gives you a deeper understanding of the game altogether, um, and it gives you a, a, a better preparation for changes that may be up and coming. Um, I don't think there's really enough we know about FIFA 19 yet to, to give great right. advice on what to prepare for, um, but I'd, I'd certainly something I've started doing already actually is, is just making sure that I've got a good kind of I can take a sort of a mental photograph of the pitch at any given time and, and pretty much figure out what, what shape I'm, I'm facing at any given moment because I, th- I do, I think that's going to be really important going forward into, into next year's game so I definitely recommend people to just uh, get into the habit of, of looking at where their opponent's players are and, and trying to diagnose what, what formation they're <laughs> using yeah, see, FIFA 19, the first thing I'm going to, like, the first three weeks I'm going to be crap, but I'm not going to accept it. Then I'm buying the <laughs> session straight away. I'm shotgunning your first, like, session. I'm shotgunning it now, right? You know where I am. Yeah. Tactician on Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, because I've been, I've been thinking about this, right? We talk about, the to- we talk about these, the payers so much, right? But we're, we're, the, we're everyone is spending their money on packs like idiots. They're spending their money on you. Right, because you actually make them better at the game. The play, if you've got good players, like it doesn't matter if you're crap at the game. Like, so why are people yeah. spending like hundreds of pounds on players, right? And then they're just going to get smashed by Bakayoko when they could just go to you for like fifteen quid, and then you could just sort out like half of their kinks straight away, and then they're already a better player. It's crazy. It's absolutely mental. Like, yeah, I can't sure. believe it. I didn't even know that the. That the service existed until we got into like this, but like into this podcasting, and now I'm like full aboard. Like, oh, book out sessions. People better just gonna be trouble booking you next year. I'm telling you, because I'm gonna be like weeks. I'm gonna be like a weekly service. I'm not joking. Block booking. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Cu- couple of things. Um, firstly, fifteen quid. Um, currently, that's something I'm looking into as to whether I can bring that down and make it a little bit more cheaper and even more accessible to, to, uh, yeah. to more people. Um, 
The second thing is, totally agree with you what you're saying about FIFA points. Um, and the other thing with it as well is that if you're opening packs and buying these great players, they're only going to serve you for the duration of this FIFA. Um, the coaching, the stuff that you're going to pick up, um, especially the fundamental stuff, that's going to be with you for as long as you play FIFA. Um, so I would, I mean, I'm bound to say this, I've got a vested interest, but I would certainly argue that you're better off spending your money on coaching than uh, Oh, it's, than you it's true, though. Points. Yeah. How many people? A, a tactician is not just for Christmas, it's for life. Yeah. At the end of it, when you when you've spent a hundred quid, and the best thing you see is like, I've forgotten the bloody. Don't, don't talk about my now, Christmas but... again. Oh. you just left there uh, with the wrapping. Oh, I was, I was <laughs> sure, Christmas. I was. Cavani. This Christmas, I wasn't let's even left with the wrapping paper. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, yeah. But definitely, like just the little tip, like the little tips you've given. Like I can't believe. Like, how good, like, if this improves my game this much, I'm going to check on the weekend league, because if it all goes to prep, I'm going to be getting a call and £10 of my money. But that's not beside the point. But if it, like, improves my game that much, like, I'll definitely listen next week to our podcast as well to hear how we'll get on. Yeah. Right. But I think, yeah, because the little things on Daily Knockout, I'm not joking, I went about 21 on aggregate. It was a joke. On, on one of the games... I was like six nil up after like forty five minutes, and I was just like, I didn't even play the second half. I was just mucking around, like watching friends. Mm-hmm. It was like, it cool. was, it was good. I really enjoyed cool. it. Cool. So I think after that, it's time to move on to Steve's marquee matchups predictions. Unfortunately, we didn't release a pod last week, but if we did, let's have a look and see what you could have won. As they say in bullseye, Steve would have got three out of the four. Um, mm. I would have got three out of four, um, which was a gutting because a lot of websites got it all wrong. And I explained the reasons as well. I explained that I had good reasons for it as well. So on this one, I have plumped four. Uh, Colombia versus Japan. I think that's a quite obvious one because they're like two fairly well-known teams. Um, that you know, and they've got to have. They've got to pick someone. These are two teams that haven't been involved in the last few weeks. Um, Mexico versus South Korea. I think that one's a nice one to mix it up. One, South Korean's not going to be like yeah. too hard to get. A few silvers. And Mexico don't have too many goals. I think that'd be a good like, low-level one, um, even though Mexico were two weeks ago. Um, but there's because there's only 32 teams, there's going to be some crossovers. And if there's going to really be marquee matchups, it's got to be teams you've heard of. Um like I'm not expecting any Morocco versus Iran, although it could well happen. Um, Germany versus Sweden, uh, two big teams. Um, Germany don't need that, like no introduction, and Sweden's European as well. I think that one Sweden haven't been involved either yet in the World Cup um, international marquee matchups, so I reckon that's a good shout. And the last one is Serbia versus Switzerland. Oh, it's nearly called it the SS wow. Derby then, but that's more, yeah. Well, it's Serbia versus Switzerland. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't call it that, so you can't do anything. Um, that one, I reckon, will be one as well, because I think people, a lot of people in this World Cup are sleeping on Serbia. Um, I think Serbia will, I agree. I think Serbia will get out of their group. But I think, that, I think that would be a good even game and one that will be a good cool. match And I think that's pretty much it, other than 
Do you not want to do okay. World Cup predictions? So, what are we going to do for World Cup? Just everyone predict a... One, just one winner, one dark, like, dark horse, and like who you think will be like top scorer. Okay, do you want to go first, uh, Stokesy? Yep, um, I would go for Brazil to win it. Um, even though... I probably shouldn't mention this, but I'm not. When was the last time that a South American team won it in Europe? They never That's have. Quite a while ago. They never have. Um, no, they haven't. Well, there we go. The bold prediction then: Brazil to be the first team to do it. Um, Gabriel Jesus as the top scorer, and Croatia as the dark horse. Nice. Interesting. Adam, do you want to go um, I didn't really, but. Um... <laughs> oh, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. So I reckon to win the World Cup, because Chile are obviously out, so they're the they were the obvious favourites. <laughs> I'm going genuinely. I think Belgium are going to win it. I think that they're, that they're going to just attack, like, blitz, like blitz their way through it. I, their attack is unbelievable. Their defence is fairly good, right? I, and your dark horse? I, I think my dark horse is Senegal. Um. They've got the best centre defensive midfielder in the tournament in Czech Royer. Um but they've also got like a lot of underrated players, genuinely, like no jokes about the thing. The goalkeeper I'm not sure about, I don't know anything about. But like they've got um Sane from uh one of the German teams and they've got someone else who's a good centre back, I can't remember bloody name now. I had it all, I had it on a thing, a sheet of paper and I forgot it. They've got Koya, they've got Mane, they've got Konat as well, who's fairly good. They've got a lot of good players, and they're very physical and strong and quick. Physically, like physical attributes, they're like they're cool. a really strong team. Uh, and who's your top scorer? Well. And my top scorer, um, I reckon, will probably be um, Mertens. Or you bet on Mertens, didn't you? I bet on Mertens. Yeah, but Mertens and yeah, that's random. Is fast. Okay, I'll let Adam go last as he's probably still deciding. So my pick to win it is England. No, it's not. No, it isn't. Uh, Argentina, Higuain top scorer, and my sort of dark horse, sort of not, is Colombia. I think they're going to do really well this year. Yeah, but they're still well. But they're still quite distant. uh, Distant in terms. Yeah. Yeah. Adam. I'm going to go for the bait one. Um, France to win it. Um, they have. I'm not the biggest fan of the manager, but that squad is ridiculous. Um, top scorer. I'm going for Cristiano Ronaldo. I honestly think that um, Iran are in that group, and this is no disrespect to any Iranians listening. I'm really not. But Iran and Morocco, I reckon you'll get quite a few against them. They're getting out of that group. I last last time at the Euros, I did predict that there was going to be the Ronaldo versus Bale showpiece and it wasn't quite a showpiece it was quite well, it was a good match it just wasn't amazing yeah he Ronaldo did scored. but I just I, no. I just I don't know I haven't looked at the whole fix just to see where it would happen but I do fancy an Argentina Portugal game at some point in the tournament like wherever mm-hmm. it would happen there, um, every prediction I've done has ended up in the quarterfinals I can't but there's, if there's one game I want in the World Cup, yeah, I think it's the one that now. most people would want just because of the uh, Ronaldo, Messi, wow, 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 this one's better or whatever. But um, my top, oh yeah, I've done my top scorer. My dark horse is going to be Russia. 
Um, not just because they won 5-0 today, but honestly because of the fact that I find it very rare that hosts don't do well. And I yeah. think that Russia just sneaking into the quarterfinal and then, you know, losing unluckily and people going, what if and stuff. That seems like a very World Cup story. I mean, I can't remember where Korea came when they hosted it with Japan. They yeah, exactly. Further, and, uh, you know, I'm, no disrespect to that team, but they weren't the fourth best watched, team at that World I've Cup, players-wise. I've watched, though, yeah, but I've watched the Spain game, knockout game, and the Italian one. The Spanish got screwed. And I've, that takes a lot for me to say Spanish always No, I completely agree. Spanish got screwed. <coughs> the Italians didn't. Um, Vieri missed two, like, of the biggest... Be careful what you say about the Italians. But... Yeah, well, what are they going to do? Come to the World Cup and get me? Oh, oh so I think that pretty much leaves it there with our predictions. Uh, <coughs> I have a second dark horse. Oh, you have a second dark horse, do you, Adam? Yes, I oh. have England as my second dark horse, quite honestly. Um, England! I can't sleep on the fact that for the first time ever, I'm genuinely excited about the squad. Uh, maybe not the first time ever. We have had some decent ones, but it just feels like... I'm not saying anything's possible. I mean, I'd be... Also, as uh, as being realistic, it'd be fantastic if we got into like the quarterfinals. I found that uh, an absolute victory. So uh, yeah, I'm very very excited. No quarterfinals, we gotta be going semis if you're gonna be dark. Yeah. I think oh, it's fair enough. That's big. Semis. That's big. Yeah, I I really like. I think the. I mean, it depends on their. Go- I don't really know enough about them, their goalkeeper, but looking at their other players, right. Who's their other defender? They've got a really oh, good yeah. defender. Oh, Koulibaly. Oh, my God. How did I forget that? Isn't he Senegal? Is he Senegal? He is. I think he's Senegal. And if not, I'll edit it out. There we go. Now, I've not edited yeah, this bit is, out, he so he must be he's from Senegal. Senegal. <laughs> As the guy who loves the Serie A, I, <laughs> yeah. of course, knew that. In it. I think yeah. Senegal are going to have problems with him running yeah. up and down the pitch Senegal. too much. <laughs> <laughs> this, do is that in real life, this is a FIFA. This is a FIFA I've got to make it relevant. <laughs> Damn that high, high work rate. Nah, lads, lads. England, England are going to win the World Cup because they've got Butland in goal. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank God, um, Parman's not in the squad, and thank God that um, uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina didn't get in. Oh, thank God. Um, uh, lads, uh, where's Stokesy gone, by the way? Uh, yeah, so Stokesy went to dig out his submarine so he could go and find Sunderland in the league. Oh, table. you're mean. Oh. Oh, <laughs> the Sunderland jokes are back, lads. He's only been well, gone. Stokesy. He's only been gone like twenty seconds. <laughs> and already we're counting the how many places are they away from the top of the Premier League it's like 19 I don't know I can't, I'm not that good at math <laughs> <laughs> says a man that was like what you what were you at one point top 8% something stupid oh, like that we're not putting that on the podcast ok sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry Steve. brilliant academic mathematical story <laughs> like world class don't want to brag about Mr. Steve, Mr Stephen Valance BA honours where should I say <laughs> <laughs> I can count up to right. six. So, talking of awards, who is getting the award this well, week? Well, this week is the Robbie Williams. <laughs> I can't do it. 
It's the Robbie Williams Up Yours Award. Hang on, I bet. For up Yours, yeah? Yep. Yeah, Up Yours Award for him sticking his... It's, it's been awarded... The award's named after him because he stuck his middle finger up during the um, opening presentation of the FIFA And it was really funny. And it goes to... And it goes to... Tom? EA Sports. <laughs> It's in the game. And they've won the second award. And they've won it. They get the Up Yours Award because they basically said Up Yours to all the players by ruining the World Cup mode in two weeks. That's fair. That's a fair go. award. Um... There you go. And it, it, we, we were just going to get Stevie to give that award, but since he... Um, he went looking for a submarine. Uh, since he wanted to cut everyone's middle fingers off, he couldn't do it. Wow, that's true. <laughs> And I think that's going to be it for today. Um, a huge thanks to uh, Stokesy, Steve Stokes, Mr. Black Cat Submarine. He's, he's such a great man. I, I, I Honestly, I could speak to him. Yeah, we hope to have him on again soon. He's a lovely bloke yeah. and he's helped us out a lot. So if you could go and find him on Twitter at Foot Tactician um, or just search Steve Stokes on YouTube or Twitter, you'll find him. And... I think that's it for today. So that leaves us all to say, as the Russians would say, Poka! 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 That's Poka! Cool. Pucker.